0: Welcome everyone to GTF Gabriel Talks Football. My name is Aldo Gandia. One quick programming note, tonight is the debut of the new Bear Their Souls show. Dan and I have restructured the show. It's going to be tons of fun. We've got new co-hosts, we've got new music, we've got new laughs. I hope you will join us at 8pm Central. But right now, you came here to see this man here. His name is Greg Gabriel. Greg, how are you, my friend?
1: I'm good. How are you?
0: I am outstanding. I want to know, I I want to know so much uh, about your opinions on the last game of the season, the press conference, your good buddy Lovey Smith. So let us start there with Lovey because I personally think that despite his one loss record over his last few years as a head coach, both in college and in pro that he was unfairly treated by the Houston Texans organization. Your thoughts, please.
1: Oh God. Awful. You know, he didn't, he had very little to say with that roster, but I, I look at it this way. Two years in a row, Houston hires a minority coach. Give them a plus for that. Two years in a row, they fire him after one year. Totally wrong. You you just can't do that. You've Mm got to give somebody more than one year unless it's a disaster. Lovey was handed a sinking ship. You know, the roster sucked. Mm
2: -hmm. And so,
1: and I like Nick Asario. You know, I've known Nick for a long time. I don't know him well, you know, know him well enough to say hi, how are you, how's things, you know, that type of thing. And always had a lot of respect for him. I lost respect after this. Mm -hmm. And especially after he just did it a year ago. And, you know, I I, I thought going into this, there was speculation that Lovey might be let go. And I thought, you know, they can't do it. There's no way the league is going to put up with that two years in a row, especially given the fact that, He's a minority coach. And I mean, you've heard the complaints around the league, just, you know, screaming. And, and how could Casario think that he's going to go out and hire somebody? Well, I'll tell you, you know, coach's salary is guaranteed to begin with. So if he signed a four-year contract, he's still going to get that money. But you got the rest of the staff who are probably on two-year deals or whatever. They're out of, you know, they're out of work. Either they might have a year left on their deal. Uh, so it affects all our lives, but it's just, it just stinks. It's not right.
2: Mm-hmm. You know, from,
1: from a standpoint, who the hell is going to want to work for this guy?
2: Yeah, Who's going to want
1: to work for that franchise? Now, sure, there's, there's going to be somebody that's going to be dying to take the job because they want to be a head coach. But, you know, I'd be real leery. You know, you, win a, you lose a few games and you think, shit, I might get fired.
2: Mm hmm.
0: Yeah, this is a not only a mark for the GM, uh, a bad mark for the GM, but the entire organization, the, the entire the owner from ownership on down, it is a ugly, ugly situation. And there were. There were rumors floating around. Uh, I mean, Deshaun Watson clearly appears to have been guilty of some things, but there were rumors floating around that it was the Texans who knew all along what was going on or had a feeling about what was going on, but they they made it public and tried to destroy uh, Deshaun Watson because he was unhappy in Houston. Be that as it may, that's just speculation, that's just a rumor, but nonetheless, this organization just is not uh, a healthy
1: one by any means. No, not not at all. And like I say, I think they're going to have a hard time. They they have to interview at least two minority coaches. Mm-hmm. If, if if I'm the Fritz Pollard Alliance, I tell mm-hmm. their coaches don't go. And that would prevent them from hiring anybody for a while.
0: That would be really cool. Well, I want them to know not to call me
1: <laughs>
0: as a minority non coach. All right, let's get to the game on Sunday. I was there with my good buddy Dan Aguire. And frankly, we were, while we were happy that the Bears got the number one pick and that dramatic finish for Lovey and congratulations to Lovey, just outstanding, gutsy uh, head coaching there. We were not happy with the way the season ended were clearly felt to us like the bears were tanking. Can you please comment on that? The kneel downs, the changing of quarterbacks in the middle of the game and bringing in Tim. Boyle. I, I,
1: didn't, I didn't get that one. I just said, you know, when that happened, when they switched to the other quarterback for a couple series, mhm-. I was just like, what the hell are they doing? And I didn't even realize it was like two plays in before I realized that he was even in. And then he, he throws that horrendous interception. <laughs> but then not only did they bring in him, they changed both guards, you know, f- for those series. And they brought in Leatherwood at left guard, which I thought was going to be the best place for him, and J. Tyree Carter at right guard. Well, J. Tyree Carter ended up playing the whole second half. Mm-hmm. And he, you know what he acquitted himself pretty well. You saw, you know, there's there's something to build on with him. Leatherwood got beat real bad on actually on the play that uh, the interception was thrown on, uh, and, and his man was right in the quarterback's face. And after that play, he didn't play again. Yeah, so that- I, I I think that could they bring him to camp? Depends what they do, I think, in the offseason, mm-hmm. you know, as far as numbers on the offensive line. But, you know, he, he's failed at right tackle. He hasn't played right guard yet. But at his only opportunity to play left guard, first opportunity he had to pass block, he got beat. And he got beat like he's gotten beat before to the outside. Yeah. Yeah.
0: You know, you said uh, when the Bears acquired him that they should probably just put him on mothballs and rebuild him and stuff, and it it certainly seems that way. I mean, you can't argue with giving a guy snaps; that's the best way you're going to help him.
1: But this- you got to you got to evaluate him. I, I I get that part, but I, I I think it's starting to come into focus now that he's just not good enough. Yeah. You know, and and so, and and I don't think Ryan Poles had a lot of nice things to say about Riley Reef and probably deservedly so. And for the most part, he's played pretty well, but he got beat pretty bad on Sunday a few times too. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I don't know what his future is with this team. I've been saying all along for weeks, you know this. I think the biggest need on the offensive line is a right tackle. And Mm -hmm. there are right tackles out there available in in free agent. Or I'll put it this way. They should be available. We'll we'll know uh, for a while or not know for a while uh, who is actually available. They got, you know, it's two months before free free agency starts. Um, Tell you one guy that may be available, though, that kind of surprises me. And he's already said it. He's looking forward to free agency as Lazard from Green Bay.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: I, uh, I'm i high on him. I think he he, he would be an upgrade over Equinemius St. Brown. And I think you mentioned this the last time we talked, that contract for St. Brown is is something that, you know, you could easily cut him if necessary to make room. Well, for they're, they're not
1: going to cut him. They like him. They, they would not have extended him okay. with a game to play if they didn't like him and they didn't want to bring him back.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay. He's the
1: so far he's the only guy on, on a one year deal that they brought in that they've resigned,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and that's and and so, um, you know, Lazard has a, has acquitted himself pretty well. He's not a burner, no. but he's he's a sure handed guy. You know, he ran him the four fives. So he's a big guy. He's another six five receiver, and he likes big receivers. Mm-hmm. Do I think he's better than than Harry? Yes, there's no mm-hmm. question he's better than, than Harry. Yeah. Um, and if you you know Harry's out of contract, so he's a, a free agent anyway. So mm-hmm. you know it, it's um, you know it remains to be seen what they're going to do. Uh, I was kind of interested. The one thing that. We, I've been saying all along on, on this show about Claypool polls pretty much reiterated. It yeah. takes some time. yeah, you'd love to see him come in and get a thousand yards, but mm-hmm. that's not reality having to learn this offense and then he had a couple injuries too that it's next year that they expect him to take the jump. You know and, and I'll repeat it and I know I'm saying this a lot but fans want instant gratification. And I'm glad Paul said it. it's not like baseball where you, and, or the NBA where you can plug and play a guy. At some positions, you can. Yeah, exactly. That, that's not one of them. In certain offenses, now if 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 he had played in this offense at, at Pittsburgh, could run a very similar offense with the same terminology. Okay, mm-hmm. then it would have been a lot easier. But having been a total, totally different offense, totally different terminology it's something that take months and people who worked in this offense have told me that don't expect a whole lot from him this year. You'll see it next year.
0: This is uh, Ryan Poe saying that, that it, just like Greg said uh, that the, the Claypool trade is not like baseball. It's not a, he's, it's not a plug and play situation.
3: There's an entire offseason and half of a season of installs and all the things that you need to do collectively to play and, and execute offensive play. Um, on top of that, it was a little bit, choppy with some of justin getting dinged up um he got dinged up uh so was a little bit choppy of a start i don't i told chase and we had a really good conversation i'm not blinking at that one at all i think he's going to help us moving forward and i'm excited about it
0: there you go i think everybody needs to pump the brakes those uh, chase claypool critics like jay sanders who says claypool trade was bad um i think they need to i'm
1: going to tell you right now it was not a bad trade now, mm-hmm. if next year he doesn't produce, then it, it it's a, um, you know, th- th- then then you got a, a good opinion. But being what I know, what I know, and I get it from good people. I don't just throw shit out here. I you know I make some phone calls to find out the answers to these things. And I and, and in this case, I called a guy who's worked in this offense for a long time, mm-hmm. and. You know, he said, don't count on a lot from him for this year. Just not going to happen.
0: Yep. My man Michael H. says, as bad as the Claypool trade has turned out as of now, it really turned into a 20-pick drop back in the second round, which isn't completely terrible. He needs to hit the ground running next season, though. That is a good way to look at it. It's The difference between that pick that is now with the Steelers and the Bears pick is only dropping 20 slots. That's that's an interesting thought there.
1: Yeah, and look, if you're not going to get in twenty slots, chances are you're not going to get one of the guys you were eyeballing. Could you? Yeah, it, it's happened before, but I doubt that uh, it it'll happen again. But they're going to get a good football player, mm-hmm. and that and and you know if they're able to trade out a one. Now, I, I it just came out within the last. 45 minutes, what I wrote at Windy City and I, you know, basically what, sh- what should the Bears do and you know, everybody, it's like the thought on the Chase Claypool trade, you know, instant gratification and there's people out there that have put some outrageously dumb <laughs> trade scenarios yes. out there that aren't going to happen in a million freaking years. First, mm-hmm. number one, there is no quote, Andrew Luck or John Elway uh, or that type of quarterback or or Lawrence the Jacksonville has, there's no quarterback like that, nor is there a player like that. There's no Miles Garrett or Chase Young in mm-hmm. this draft. Okay, so right away, that takes away some of that value. Mm-hmm. There are, though, four teams in the top 10 that have a genuine need at quarterback starting with Houston at number two, the Colts at number four. I think, um, Carolina's at nine and there's one that who's at seven.
2: Uh, I don't the, the thing right
1: I'll call it
0: up right here at number seven. It is the Las Vegas Raiders.
1: The Raiders at seven, and that's a maybe because they may, you know, Stidman may be their guy, mm-hmm. you know, because th- their head coach could be that stubborn. Now, what's going to play into this scenario also is the Raiders are going to move Carr, and one of those teams, or somebody say like Washington, uh, mm-hmm. is going to make a trade for Carr. And so that's going to take one team with a need, you know, out of uh, out of the equation what I thought about when I was writing that article today and, and I wasn't trying to be greedy and I also wasn't trying to be stupid because I've been involved in these trades for, you know, a number of times. And first of all, if you pulled up the chart, the move from number two to number one is a 400 point move. Yeah. And for those who don't, yeah, 400 point move. You know what that is? That's a mid second round pick.
0: Yeah. For those who don't know about the chart, uh, Greg, we should tell them that it was, uh, I forgot who originated that chart. Was he the first? Was he absolutely yeah. the first? And then mm-hmm. it's been updated a number of times, but every selection in the NFL draft gets a point value. And so you can compare. If you trade a number one pick, it's 3,000 points. What uh, amount of points will uh, another first rounder, another second round, another, what will that total up so that you can come to some type of equality in a trade, right?
1: Right. Now, if you're going up to number one, you know, you, and everybody knows you're going for a quarterback if you're going up to number one. Okay, so you're going to pay a premium. But let's just, you know, try to think logically because the people making these trades, in most cases, they're not stupid unless, you know, they're Ryan Pace. The... um said it's a 400-point trade. If Houston traded their first pick in the second round, which is number 33. So a pick, there's only 31 picks in the first round. Miami's pick has been forfeited. So the Chicago pick, which is now the Ravens, is number 32. Houston, I think, is next, unless they got a flip-flop with uh, Denver, in which case it would be 34. So maybe you're going to get the same player. Um, It'd be one of those. That move just that trade is about a 500 I'm using round figures here, a 550 point move. Mm -hmm. That's already a premium of
2: 150
1: points, which is like, you know, a high third rounder. I don't have the chart in front of me. So I'm thinking again, okay, what would be fair and what would, what would Ballard probably easily give up? And, what would keep the bears with getting one of the premium picks? You can move that for the Colts two and a one next year, they're still paying the premium because that one is, is, is got a lot of point though. It's about an 800 point trade, I think. And so if you've got the Colts two, now you'd have two picks in the top four of the second round, top five of the second round, and their own pick, which is going to be around 53 if Baltimore loses this weekend in the wild card, because if they win, that drops that pick down because it, it, it groups them with another, doesn't keep them in that same uh, 10 and 7 grouping. It moves them up one because they want a playoff game. Okay. Um, but you'd have three picks, two high seconds in a and a lower third second plus their own one plus a number one next year. If it's me, I do that all day because here's what happens. You got quarterbacks going one, two, you still got Carter and, and Anderson on the board. You're guaranteed to getting one of those two players. That would be end nice. Discuss- end of discussion. You make those deals and, and, and what you can do with those three, two, and, 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 and I wrote this up in the article. Nineteen eighty-six, so it was you know, early in my career with the Giants, we had a mid one and three twos, the eighty-six draft. We had the three twos because the USFL went out of business and we had had the rights to Gary Zimmerman. Remember that tackle? Oh yeah. Okay, we traded his rights to Denver. We got two twos and something else. So we got, going into that draft, we got a one, three twos, and then we had, I think, one three and two fours. Mm-hmm. With our first, with the th- three out of those four first and second round picks, became immediate impact players. And we went to a Super Bowl that year and won. Mm-hmm. We got Eric Dorsey, who played in the rotation as a rookie and then became a starter second year. Uh, at, he was a five technique because we played a 3-4. We got Pepper Johnson, who was a perennial Pro Bowl inside linebacker and in a 3-4. And we got Mark Collins, who was a corner from Long Beach State that doesn't play foot, football anymore who was also a perennial pro bowl corner. And and the um, last guy we got with the second round pick was a a safety by the name of Lasker from Arkansas. He did, he he played for us. He started a little bit, but he wasn't, you know, he wasn't what the other guys were,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: you know, and, and, but those guys made a difference. We win the NFC Play Denver in the um, in the Super Bowl. Beat Denver. And we won our first Super Bowl. That was Super Bowl twenty one, the year after the the Bears won. So that's what. And, and then you throw in the fact that you got to – probably the final cap number hasn't come around yet, but you're going to have around one hundred twenty million dollars. You know what you can do with one hundred twenty million dollars? Quite a bit. You know, depending on on how much you got to pay for some certain players. Uh And I I liked it that, that Ryan was not, you know, he wasn't going to tell you anything more than what he had to tell you. He just gave you a little gravy and, and that was it. I I liked it that he, you know, he had some analysts shooting down or not shooting down. He had some analysts saying that, you know, the bears got to look at, at young as, you know, the first overall pick. Well, first of all, and depending on who you talk to, Young might not be the QB1. There's three quarterbacks out there that are going to be the first three quarterbacks off the board. Nobody has a freaking clue how they're going to go. You got Levis from Kentucky, Stroud from Ohio State, and Young from, from Alabama. They all got them rated differently. Mm-hmm. and But what, what's got to happen between now – and the beginning of April is somebody's got to become the hot guy. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, and, and, and we're halfway through the process. And mm-hmm. medical's got to be clean. Then you get in, especially with quarterbacks, private workouts are huge with quarterbacks. That's mm-hmm. where coaches fall in love with the player. And that's mm-hmm. the key here. See, the coaches have not been involved in the process yet. You've got scouts grades, mm-hmm. okay. Now your coaches get involved. Your offense, and if you got an offensive-minded head coach, it could be him. Uh, it it, uh, it could be your offensive coordinator and your, and your quarterback coach, but they got to fall in love with the guy. Mm-hmm. And it's March. It's March before that happens. You know, middle of March, end of March.
0: Would it be better if it's just one quarterback that emerges as the clear number one, that way you create a market fight for him?
1: Um, the, well, it, it could, let's say, and, and you're not going to know, but let's assume, now going back to, to the Colts, Ballard said it wouldn't surprise me if, you know, in his pressure today, that if we didn't take a quarterback with that first pick, mm-hmm. well, number one, he has to say that mm-hmm. because he, you can't put the cards on the table. But number two, he also knows that he's failed. You know, he had it's not his fault, Andrew Luck Upton retires in training camp. In fact, the, his last day of practice with the Colts was the day I was there. You know, I went to five different Training camps when I was working for DC and the XFL and mm-hmm. the Colts were one of them. I went to the Bears practice one day, drove down to Indianapolis, went to the the Colts practice the next day, and that's the last day Andrew Luck practiced for him.
0: Oh my goodness! Wow,
1: and and it just happened to be that way. And and they thought at first that he was going to miss a week or ten days. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's freaking four years later, he still hasn't played. Um, <laughs> You know, but he went out. He had, he played with Jacoby Brissett for the rest of that year. They and they mm-hmm. had a trade to get Jacoby Brissett from New England. The, then the next year, he signs Philip Rivers as a free agent. Philip Rivers had actually turned out to be a pretty good signing. Yes, he but did. he was one and done. He hung it up. Uh-huh. And he became a high school football coach. Mm-hmm. Then, in 21, he makes the trade for Carson Wentz. Mm-hmm. That was at the behest of Frank Wright. Frank coached him in, in Philadelphia and said, you know, he can make this work. He's young. He's going to be the long-term solution. Mm-hmm. By the end of last season, they couldn't wait to get him out of the building.
0: Tony asked the question, Greg. Do teams put out smear campaigns? Could you see the Bears putting one out on
1: CJ and Levis? Why would they want to spear him They want or, or smear them. They want to push that baby up, drive their value. value. They want to, okay. pre- but they're not going to say anything about the quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. They're going to let the other teams do it. And and the teams, and you know what? It's uh, teams say very very little. It's the anal- It's all the different analysts, the Mel Kuipers. Of the world but daniel jeremiah's the world and they do all the talking teams don't say shit. and when the teams do say something they lie so <laughs> it's the line season greg um
2: but greg sorry ahead, for nothing
0: um uh, uh zach keifer tweeted this out he, he was at uh Ballard was asked if there's a quarterback at the top of the draft that they want, would he give up heaven and earth to trade up to get him? And Ballard said, yes, I'll do whatever it takes. Nobody knows Mr. Ballard as well as you do. And I know you're not going to give us any inside information to betray your friendship with him, but what can you tell us about Chris Ballard?
1: I, I know how he had him a month ago. Could that change? Absolutely. Because mm-hmm. again, who's going to be their head coach? We don't know that. Is it Jeff Saturday or is it the, the one guy they put a request in to interview is the uh, offensive coordinator with the Eagles who was with the Colts on Frank staff? So, you mm-hmm. know, he knows a lot of the personnel. He, he'd keep that same offense in place that they they have right now that Frank had, it would be an easy transition. But he, he, he could also um, get Sean Payton. You know, Sean Payton's on record as saying it's not about having a quarterback, it's about the right owner. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's some people, you know, in talking to Chris and some other people that I know, Ursay from the outside, you know, looks like, you know, he's a little strange. hmm. But people who know him say he's really a good person mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, he wants to win. Uh, he's not as meddling as, and, and Chris said it today, he says, he lets me do my job. He says, we disagree, but he lets me do my job. And which is fine. You can disagree And as long as you can do your job and you've got the wherewithal to get your job done. Mm-hmm. So, he, um, Chris has got to be, here, here I, I'll use a Jerry Angelo term. Here, You gotta be, should I even use Jerry's voice?
2: <laughs> Please. Big
1: dog, you gotta be driven. And, and so. <laughs> I love it. That's what it is. The, the, he called me yesterday, by the way. I just started laughing because, you know, I pick up the phone. Hey, Jerry, how you doing? Hey, Big Dog, what's going on? And he calls everybody Big Dog. So, <laughs> it it's, um, th- th- there's got to be, you know, that player that you want, but also, and, and let's use, th- this is a, a, a really good exercise to go through. We go th- two years ago. Mm-hmm. Okay, Lawrence was regarded as, as QB one. Jacksonville takes him. Mm-hmm. There was a, then you had three more go in the, you know, between two and eleven with Justin Fields being eleven. Justin Fields should have been two, but yeah. you had people fall in love with Wilson from BYU mm-hmm. and Lance from North Dakota State. I still can't figure that out, but you know, we've <laughs> talked that up. But, but, and it has nothing to do with Justin Fields. It's what you saw on tape from those guys. And Trey Lance played FCS level and played one freaking game as last year. And that was it. You know, and, and BYU didn't play anybody in that COVID year because, you know, teams were concentrating on trying to play a conference schedule first, so they had a really scramble to get games because they, they're they not in a conference. They're an independent. And so it, it was difficult for them to really get a schedule. Notre Dame, which is normally an independent, but they're in all other sports, they're in the ACC. So they just went to the ACC and joined the ACC for that football season and played, you know, a, just strictly an ACC schedule and won it. That year, so, wow. But BYU's strength of schedule was horrendous. It was better than FCS, but not a lot better. You know, okay. and, and yeah. so you, you were getting a a false evaluation of Wilson. And mm-hmm. on top of that, I think the Jets did a horrible job on finding out about what kind of person he is, Mm -hmm. what's important to him, what's his football character. You know, Justin Fields' football character is way up here. Trey Mm Lance's football character is way up here. Um, Josh Allen, we've talked about Josh Allen has succeeded and become as great as he is because of that drive to be great. He wants to be the best. And and the amount of time he puts in in the offseason – to get better josh allen was a 55 passer his two years at wyoming before that he was at a jc mm-hmm. okay and and it's because of lamar jackson and josh allen that people changed their thought process on quarterbacks that supposedly were inaccurate in college because lamar jackson was another guy who was you know 55 57 percent in college mm-hmm. but is in the 60s in the in the pros. <clears throat> Excuse me. Josh Allen was in the 50s his first two years, a second year with Buffalo, he was a 58 or 59% completion percentage. His third year is when he took off and he jumped 10 points. That alone is unheard of. He went yep. from 59 to 69, which mm-hmm. which is, you know, an, an incredible jump for any quarterback. And now he's, you know, he just keeps getting better so i mean i've never seen a guy and i've seen that i think between last year's afc championship or not the afc championship game the uh, divisional game with kansas city on the road and then two or three times this year take a team down the field in like 20 seconds 25 <laughs> seconds and two or three plays and he can do it because of that howitzer he's got mm-hmm. but you can never count Buffalo out. If there's if there's 20 seconds left in the game and they need points, mm-hmm. the odds are in their favor that they're going to get those points.
0: Good stuff. And I want to play for you, uh, Greg. Uh, a lot of people were talking about Ryan Poles, Ryan Poles. It's all on him. Now it's all on him. But actually, there's a lot of responsibility that uh, Coach Matt Eberflus has coming up. And one of those is – his coaching staff, and he was asked about that today. Oh, as I said after the game, you know, I'm going to meet with those guys here shortly, uh, each one of them, um, and uh,
1: we'll evaluate everything as we go. Um, But, uh, again, it's the NFL. A lot of things
3: move. A lot of things change. A lot of things adjust. So uh, we'll address that when we get there.
0: That, to me, tells me there might be some changes coming down with this coaching staff. What do you think?
1: Yep. But We've been saying that for two or three weeks. Mm Mm-hmm. It goes back, you know, to something he said uh, in a presser when there were some player mistakes, and he threw it on the position coach without naming the position coach. Right.
2: I I don't. I don't think
1: it'll be wholesale change. Okay. Probably a couple.
0: Do you think we'll see a coordinator change? And I'm uh, referring specifically to Williams, a defensive coordinator. No, I,
1: I, I, I think he draws a pass because he had no players.
2: Mm-hmm. I, mean,
1: I know. How, my- how, how do you coordinate a defense when you got no players?
2: Yeah, I he had, know. He but- had
1: the, he had the, but Go ahead. you know Bearless, but No, I was just
0: going to say Berlissimo and Ravi and a n- number of other uh, people who frequent our show are just not big fans of Allen and Williams and, and feel like he – for instance, Berlissimo has been telling me this guy needs to call more blitzes. He doesn't have the talent to not – because he doesn't have pass-rushing talent, he should have been more creative with his schemes and blitz and, and pressure yeah. the quarterback.
1: You more. know what? I, I, I'll say this. That shoulda, coulda, water. And because now you go back to the Indianapolis defense last year and they were one of the least blitzing teams in the league, Mm -hmm. but they sacked the quarterback a lot. They had a strong front four. Mm -hmm. The bears front four is terrible. In my opinion, there's two players Jones and Watts that are NFL players. Mm -hmm. After that, you know, the the, the rookie is um, – he's got upside. He's got to get mm-hmm. stronger, Robinson. Travis Gibson really struggled. Who knows why. And, and maybe it's because he had Quinn on the other side last year, mm-hmm. and that, that helped him. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he played hard. Will he be around? I think he'd be around, but he's uh, – in a perfect world, you want him being your four, your fourth defensive end, not your two. Or one. yeah, that
0: that seems to be the quality of all these defensive linemen. They'd be much better as backup players. There's not a single guy on this defensive line that I would want as a starter. They would be all great, excellent backup guys as part of the rotation. You just need three or four starters for this defensive line.
1: They I I you know, I think. You try to listen and, and read between the lines. There's one defensive lineman they gave praise to. Mm-hmm. That was Jones, Justin, Justin Jones. Yes, the only guy. Deservedly. I, I, think, they're, I think they're they're good at linebacker going mm-hmm. forward for this scheme. And by mm-hmm. the way, speaking of linebacker, congratulations to Roquan. He got his money.
0: Yeah, good for him.
1: <laughs> Five years. He got his twenty million. Five years, a hundred million. He signed this afternoon.
0: Somebody in the chat said, "Are you surprised that they signed Roquan before Lamar Jackson?"
1: No, that means they can franchise Lamar Jackson. They had to get somebody done. Wow. Ah,
2: because you know, they
1: had two. They have two good players. They had to get either, and the problem, both of them don't have an agent now. Maybe Roquan got smart in the last three months and hired an agent. Mm -hmm. but he got a deal done and he got a deal done at the number he was looking for. He had that, uh, 20 million figure. He, he's got 45 fully guaranteed and another 20 in guarantees, but you got to hit some things to get it. Mm -hmm. Uh, but he his number.
0: My man, uh, Jordan, uh, compliments Justin Jones's clear leadership abilities which is certainly true. Uh Justin Jones stepped into that leadership role when uh Roquan and, uh, and and Quinn left and Eddie Jackson's injury. You saw him on the sidelines firing people up. Uh he said in an interview that's not his usual role but he was willing to take it on and he he, he I think that's why he gets a lot of praise from the coaches is because of what he did in the locker room too.
1: Yeah, and that was the same thing, you know. He's uh, Riley Reef took that on himself. I I don't know what his leadership skills were before, but is you know Riley's going to be thirty four years old next year. Is he what mm-hmm. you want starting at right tackle? Uh, like I say, I think along the line that is the most important position. I'm going to, you know, I know there's a lot of fans that think. Patrick was a bust. I'm not one of them because he played one quarter at center all year. And But the coaching staff knows what he did in practice before he got hurt. They know what his value is. They're going to make that determination, and I'm going to go along with that. If mm-hmm. they think that they need another center, then that's fine. Um, listen was a, a Angela Blackson. Blackson. Blackson's just not a fit. And Pinnell's not really a fit. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're drawing up what you want in this defense, those guys aren't fits. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah.
0: Uh, that that definitely appears to be so. Let's uh, go back to the press conference that was held earlier today. Uh, polls commented on in his introductory remarks, he talked about what the Bears accomplished. Let's listen to this. It's
3: about 50 seconds. Left. It's really about the foundation that we built this year. I was excited about that. I was excited about the the progress that we made. Um, I think two things can be true. too I think you can be disappointed in the the losses, right? I, that's not our, our what we're here to do. Uh, it hurts. I joked earlier, like it feels like part of your football soul gets ripped out when you got to do it over and over and over again. Um, but the resilience that this organization showed was outstanding. Uh, in our all staff meeting, I handed out this in the very beginning of the season. It was just a, a building block that, in the shape of a Lego, and I talked about the entire organization doing what it takes to stick together. Um, because I knew how important it was to build a foundation that was rock solid. It wasn't on something that was shaky, that would fracture. And that really, everyone bought into that, and I was excited about that. I know that we're in a healthier situation now than we were before. We're excited about where we're going.
0: You agree with him?
3: Yes. Wholeheartedly. Oh,
1: they they're trying to they they stripped down the franchise. Mm-hmm. They got rid of players that they felt didn't have a future, be it because of money, age, or whatever. You know, it's a very young roster. He said it in there a little later on. He said, we had more snaps by rookie players than any other team by a thousand snaps. (laughs) Which is a a hell of a lot. And (laughs) uh, (laughs) so you've got a lot of guys that gained experience going forward, whether it's going to be as a backup or uh, a starter. He also said that, You know, I'm always going to be looking for the premium positions. And what did he say on that? Offensive line, defensive line, corner. I Mm -hmm. think they, they, you know, hit a home run with some of these corners. Absolutely. Okay, they got some guys as college free agents that turned out to be some pretty damn good football players. All they need to do is play. Yeah. But you're not going to turn your back on somebody that's pretty good. Mm -hmm. You know, it it just depends if you're able to trade down. It's going to be a disappointment if if, if they don't trade down. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, and I keep saying this, don't get your expectations up too high because you have to have somebody driven to Mm -hmm. make that trade. You can't make a trade unless you have a partner.
0: Yeah. And the same
2: thing...
1: and, and really, to go back, you know, we are talking about the, the Colts. What would be ideal mm-hmm. is if Houston and Indy have separate quarterbacks as QB number one. Mm. And then you could theoretically make mm-hmm. those two trades, go one to two and then two to four.
0: This is going to be such an exciting offseason. just Everything that's going to be happening behind the scenes, we're going to really rely on you to help us understand that. Um, One of the things I want to play from you from the press conference, uh, Greg, so that we can talk to our fans about it and so many other people who uh, were very critical of Ryan Poles' during the season saying you didn't get justin fields enough help this season he was asked about that this was his response was that we
3: had to the best of our ability um, based on what was there i think that's kind of what i go back to in terms of making sound decisions that's hard i wish i wish it was a perfect scenario where you could just clean up everything and be good so i thought we made solid sound decisions to do that um yeah, I wish it was it was perfect across the board to give them so it was clean uh, as much as possible. But it just doesn't always happen that way. But again, now looking at where we can go, currently we have flexibility to do a little bit more. Now the second piece is, uh, like Brad said, like what's what talent's there for us to bring in and can it help move the needle to help everybody get better.
0: Reason I wanted to play that, Greg, is because he underlined that the resources were bare in his first season right. as general manager. So there's there wasn't a lot to do, and he was trying to hit home runs or at least get on base with the Alex Leatherwood signings and some of the other guys. And some well, Leatherwood some... was a
1: waiver acquisition. So yeah, yeah. I mean, he got waived. I I thought because of his contract and it was his first round contract that he might pass through waivers. Yeah, and then you sign him, but. You know, the Bears claimed it's no big deal. If they do cut them, they're going to take a little bit of a cap hit, but it's not going to be something that's crazy. It's five
0: million dollars, it's 4.6 million dollars. So the dead cap, the cap hit is, yeah, but if you,
1: but, but if if you, if you keep them around till June 1st, then it's even less. then that gets cut in half. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. So,
0: um, I'm just, I'm just, I'm hopeful that. Fans understand that this rebuilding process can take more than one or two seasons. It's probably going to take, be, it won't be until 2024 when we're watching a Chicago Bears team that is competitive for a Super Bowl. Am I right or wrong on that?
1: I, I disagree with you. I think if they if they are lucky and get the right, for, okay, a couple things. Lucky and get and and are able to make deals with the right free agents mm-hmm. doesn't have to be 10 or 12, but three or four good solid football players. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then you're able to trade back a little bit, pick up more draft capital. So you could, and, and when I say premium picks, I'm talking first two rounds, have more picks in the first two rounds, then right away you're bringing quality into the building. The mm-hmm. when you look at the NFC North, it's not like somebody jumps out right away as, as being you know so far in front of everybody else. How Aaron Rodgers might not be there next year. He may be. He's got him by the balls. There's nobody in the world that has a team by the balls like Aaron Rodgers does. Very true. They they've got to get out their knees and pray that he walks back into the building next year because if he leaves, they're destroyed for years. And it's not because he's not on the team. It's because he really screws them up cap-wise.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, and I, and regarding the Minnesota Vikings, there were uh, some people on uh, uh, ESPN talking about that this might be the worst division-winning team that they have seen in many years, maybe ever, given – how they have played this season. They rarely beat uh very good teams. Their point differential was actually in the minus or minus negative. Mi- yes. negative. Yes. So not a good sign. And I know that point differential can sometimes be misleading, but I think in this case it's not. This uh Vikings team is probably one and out. They played the Giants, I believe, in the first round. You got a you got a, a prediction on that one already?
1: I <laughs> did uh, you know the games in Minnesota, uh Giants, though, I think you're going to give them a run for their money. Yeah. I don't know how healthy New York is right now, but I, you know, Dable's a good coach. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he was my favorite to be the coach here, but I'm, I'm not upset with the Fluce hiring at all. I, I, I like Fluce. I like his old school mentality. But getting back to that game, I think that, uh, um, I think Minnesota will probably win, but it ain't going to be easy. And, and and the Giants gave him a good game just a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Indeed.
0: Um, I want to play a little video. After the game, uh, David Montgomery was uh, facing reporters, and so these could be his final uh, words as a member of the Chicago Bears, words expressed to the media.
1: Um,
3: the biggest thing is just being sure that I understand uh, – you know that I gave everything that I had and every opportunity that I had it. Um and also understanding though know, like it's more work to be done. I want to play football. I just want to play football. I would love to be here.
0: Are you hopeful for that, David? Are you hopeful that it can be worked out this Of course. He wants to come back, but th- he didn't sound at all confident. And I'm I'm sure polls didn't assure him of anything. Uh yeah, what, but polls
1: t- also said today that he had a really <laughs> good conversation with him. And I, I, Montgomery's got a figure. I don't, I don't know who his agent is. But if he's got a realistic agent, now this isn't going to be like a, a Roquan Smith thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think if you look up in a pro football reference, put in uh, David Montgomery and pro football reference, and you're going to see, how many games he's played in each of the four seasons he's been here. So how many games he's missed because I know he's missed games. So Mm -hmm. there's a, there is a durability issue. He's a running back, which right now is probably the least important play. Even though he's important to your offense, it's still they're interchangeable when it comes to, they're easy to find another one. Just go Mm -hmm. out and draft one and, 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 Khalil Hilbert is a, is a perfect example. Montgomery's a, a good example. He was a third-round pick. Khalil Hilbert was a fifth-round pick. You know, there's a lot of late-round picks, mid-late-round picks that turn out to be really good running backs in this league. But as a leader, he, he's got a better skill set than Khalil Hilbert. Hilbert is a better open-field runner, has more home-run ability, uh, Montgomery can move the chains a little bit better. He's a better pass protector, and he's a better receiver. And he is a big part of locker room leadership, huge mm-hmm. part of locker room leadership. So if, if if he's realistic, and to me realistic is a two-year deal,
2: mm-hmm.
1: maybe maybe three – but if you give them a three-year deal, I wouldn't give them a huge signing bonus so you, you don't take a hit because, you know, when, when running backs start to fall, you it's fall like quickly. they fall off a cliff. You know, yeah. it, it, it's, you know that they're they're not taking a – they're taking the express elevator. Mm-hmm. They're not going down a slow escalator.
0: Yeah, the other Dan uh, makes a good point here that uh, Montgomery didn't miss a game this season. He started all six, he started uh, 16 out of 17 games. I take that back. And last season, he started. 13 out of 17 games so he has been nicked a lot been nicked a lot but the guy really bounces back quickly he takes a lot of punishment and in that interview that post-game interview yesterday he was asked what are you going to do now he says i'm going to rest my body because i got hit a lot i'm not sure if he was uh complaining about the offensive line or not but uh his you know the, the, his running style is not conducive for longevity
2: is it
1: well it no and and especially with running backs, because like I say, they uh, you got to have your legs, and once your legs go, they go real real quick mm-hmm. at that position. But like I say, if, if if he's agreeable to a, I mean, could he be a guy that plays another s- six years in the league? Sure, he could, but you have no guarantee of that. So you've got to be realistic. Yeah, and. I'm with you. And a realistic deal to me, if I'm sitting in that office, is I try to get a two year deal done. And like I say, if I if I, I I do a three, if the signing bonus isn't crazy, so if I don't have in that third year, I don't get whacked too hard.
2: hmm mm-hmm.
1: Yep. Uh, the The
0: deal structure has to be well handled. And as another uh, word of warning to Bears fans. Polls uh, said, you know, we've got over $100 million, but I keep see- seeing and hearing people we're, we're gonna, you know, spend tons of money and so forth. We're going to be very responsible with how yeah, we spend money. You can already
1: see that by how he spent money last year. Yeah. He's not yeah. going to go crazy. And don't forget, he's got to – yes, granted, the, the cap's going to go up every year, but he's got to be mindful – that there's guys, Jalen, there, there's guys he's got to pay. Mm-hmm. Okay, he, he's got to pay Jalen Johnson. He's got to pay Justin Fields. He's got to pay maybe Clay Spool and the other receiver, Darnell Mooney. You know, he's got to keep the players that are already here that they like. Mm-hmm. He's got to pay them. It's so like I say, I, it wouldn't shock me. That he spends money on three to four free agents mm-hmm. and then does what he did last year. You know, you get guys on one-year deal, two-year deal, you don't get in the overkill. Because, like I said, you got to take care of these other guys. And so you gotta have money. You 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 gotta structure things so you have money next, you know, the year after for 24 or 25 because there's other deals that are going to come and you 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 don't want to get in cap hell like they were in. Mm-hmm. you know you got to think ahead
0: absolutely let's get to some of our questions i want to start off with tony the pod boss who actually he was joking when he said that but he said get uh, chris ballard on the line and ask him if we could get nelson <laughs> leonard and buckner yeah, but
1: yeah you know <laughs> that, that's what i mean by people coming up and, and but he's joking. So he's joking. Yeah, ch- but, but, but there's stuff like that out there. <laughs> like there's somebody had out there you know get their receiver at, and Nelson to move up. That's not going to happen. Not in a million years. No, it's not. <laughs> Those are pro bowl level players. They yeah. have they themselves got a big value. But the reason
0: I wanted to share this with you, Greg, is because how much do you think, do you speculate that Ballard will be in a trading mood? Is he going to rebuild this organization or is he going to try and win now, which is a, a risky thing to do?
1: I think that he was that he thought he was in the position to win now and that's why he went with those veteran quarterbacks. Right. Okay, and that didn't work. He knows he's got to get a young quarterback. I know that for a fact. Mm-hmm. okay, so it's who does he like? Mm-hmm. And um, you just gotta hope that for the sense of, of of trade value and like I mean to go from four to one would cost him a lot. Mm-hmm. okay, yes. but to go from four to two, wouldn't cost him anywhere near as much, and so it'd be a lot easier for him to make that deal than it would to trade up to one. And it'd be easier for Houston to go to one to make sure they got their guy, thinking that that um, you know they got to be at one because somebody else may try to get to one. You know, basically what Ryan Pace did when he went to two to get Trubisky. I want to make sure I get my guy. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to move from three to two mm-hmm. Houston to maybe the same thing. But again, some of this stuff is going to be dependent on who becomes their coach at both places. Both of them got to hire coaches and you know, how they're going to, um, like, or how, you know, how they're going to like these quarterbacks. I'll tell you, you know, with, with, with young Alabama quarterback, there's some people who think he's going to be five ten and a half and a half and 190. Now, personally, I think he's going to be closer to 195 or 200 and he's going to be six feet Uh, and he's, he's got long arms, but still it's not big as compared to, to some of the quarterbacks you see, uh, so, but there have been smaller quarterbacks taken real high in the draft. We've seen it. Mm-hmm. The Cardinals do it. The Browns did it with Baker Mayfield. So, you know, it, it, again, it's, you got to hope that these things develop. And I know I'm repeating myself, but you've got to just pray that these things, you know, the love affairs start happening. Because the love affairs will drive, just that will drive up the price. Or drive, not drive up the price, drive up what people will pay. Because they they, I got to get them. I got to get them.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: You know, like the the Eagles made two trades. They didn't care if they had golf or Wentz. Mm
2: -hmm. They
1: wanted to make sure they got one of them. So they got themselves in a position to do that by making two trades. They traded, like, from 13 to 9 or 8, and then up to 2. And they had a lot of extra capital to be able to do it. Uh, And I think they ended up preferring Wentz anyway over Goff. And Mm -hmm. they took it. Neither one of them has, you know, panned out. And that's what happens a lot. Just Mm -hmm. like, you know, is is, (laughs) – The San Francisco gave away the farm to trade up to get Lance, and they got a kid who was the last pick in the draft last year. That's a better player. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, all who, right. Who got him in the playoffs this year?
0: Let me get to the next question here. J Two K wants to know: Would you be interested in branding Brandon Cooks in a trade back with the Houston Texans?
1: Don't want him on my football team. He's an asshole. All right. He's one of those. One of those diva (laughs) receivers that, you know, is I, me, my guy instead of we.
2: (laughs) There's a reason
1: why that guy is on a different team every other year. Yeah. Look look at how many teams he's played for since he's been in the league.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Um, Zach wants to know, uh, what could the Chicago Bears get back if Ryan Poles wanted to trade Mr. Justin
1: Fields. I'm not even an answer because he's not doesn't want to trade him. It's not hmm. going to happen.
0: So are you uh, are you sure that the endorsement that polls gave Fields today is, is a case closed? I mean, we had talked about perhaps him driving the value of that number one pick. I thought uh, he might
1: play that game, mm-hmm. but he basically at the beginning of the presser he didn't. Okay. You know, he he kind of shut that and he goes, well, yeah, if there's, you know, basically he said if there's somebody really special, in other words, if there's John Elway there or Andrew Luck there, well,
2: mm-hmm. then you
1: got to consider it because those are generational quarterbacks.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Justin Fields is better than any quarterback in this draft. Hands down. So why are you going to get rid of him to start all over again? Mm hmm.
2: Uh, and and gotta...
1: going into year two, and, and here's the thing: people, some people don't understand. In the last three years, Justin Fields played in three systems. He played in a system at Ohio State, comes here as as a rookie, and plays in a system, Andy Reid system, and then a totally different system in in the uh, Shanahan type offense, McVeigh, Shanahan, LaFleur offense. So, the way a quarterback gets good is continuity and and being around and and, and learning the the nuances of that offense and feeling very comfortable. And so, you you do that by staying within the same system. Mm -hmm. You know, so it was basically – he had a rookie. He had a rookie do over this year by yes. bringing in a new coach and a whole new offense. Forget mm-hmm. look at how his numbers improved from the first half of the year to the second half of the year. He mm-hmm. went from like a fifty-seven, fifty-eight percent passer with more interceptions than touchdowns to a sixty-three percent passer with more touchdowns than interceptions, and he still had you know the pass blocking. The run blocking of this team—you can, you know, crucify the offensive line all you want, but their run blocking was damn good.
2: Mm-hmm. They can't pass uh, block shit.
0: We've got uh, a couple of more questions, and then we've got a, a special announcement to make uh, here, Greg and I. Uh, but first, let's get this one out of the way. Berlissimo is asking, is Zach Wilson the new Josh Rosen? Sure does Jay, appear. He like might
1: that. not be that good. <laughs> Uh, but but oh, a better Zach question. Wilson's problem is? Zach Wilson's problem isn't his skill set. Zach Wilson's problems from here up. Yep, right there. He's got no football character. Mm-hmm, indeed. What and, about
0: Bellissimo's Berlissimo, yeah. question about uh, uh, Tua? Tua could be considering retirement. You think the Dolphins are in the quarterback market?
1: Well, I think it's too early to even speculate on that. I mean, yeah, he had two concussions in a short period of time. I have some experience with concussions. I've had at least six. Oh my goodness. I had three, and this is long before people worried about concussions, but I had one late in the season, my freshman year in high school, where I was out cold. So I you know had memory loss for a good half hour forty minutes after I came to like I couldn't remember from one second to the next. Wow. And and there's some funny stories because you know the you know nobody at that time so this is shit 1965. That tells you how old I am I a <laughs> freshman in high school. And, freshman um, in high school <laughs> yeah so um coach says <laughs> go to go to the locker room and i looked at him go where's the locker room so he has a guy take me into the locker room i remember i I don't remember how i got hit i was a running back so i had to be carrying the ball that's all Mm -hmm. i know is that but i i never saw the play it's not like we you filmed i was on the jv team as a freshman it's not like you filmed the jv team games Mm -hmm. you know in 1965 So I get a guy then takes me into the locker room and I'm standing there and he goes, you know, take a shower and get dressed. Where's my locker? He says, you're standing right in front of it. Oh, and and now it came to a point that people thought I was faking. And it wasn't. I just did not remember from one second to the next. So then he goes, just take a shower and get dressed. I said, okay. So I got my uniform on. I went and took a shower with my uniform on. That's wow. how messed up I was. That's so that's concussion, that's that's concussion number one. Mm-hmm. The yes. next one, four months later, maybe three months later. It was in the you know, after after Christmas break. This was the, the first one was in late October, beginning of November. This one was in like February after gym class now canisius high school is a you know an older building and where the gym was and where the locker rooms were real high ceilings and there were the old plaster ceilings and so come out of the shower i'm getting dressed you know how when you're young you know Kids sometimes would take a book and go like that, slap you on top of the head. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, it, it, it felt like that. And what it was, was a piece of plaster broke off from the ceiling that was probably. Oh, my goodness. Two, two by three and over an inch thick and falls about 20 feet and hits me right on top of the head. Mm, that was because mm. now that one I didn't lose my memory, but gave me a concussion. And I Did had to get you, sick.
2: Why didn't Did you I sue? It? Yeah. Because
1: that was 1960. Now it was 1966 because it's the spring. And, you know, people didn't sue over those things,
2: yeah, <laughs> over true. stuff like that.
1: You know, <laughs> you know, my father was a tough old son of a bitch. And he, you know, he oh. Why didn't you look up and say, "Well, all because I knew it was going to happen, right?" I give you a- <laughs> that is hilarious. So now, <laughs> I, I I go to a different high school for my my sophomore year and finished out uh, my high school career. I go to Bishop Newman High School, mm-hmm. and I'm on the basketball team. And during a game, I don't remember how it happened, but I somehow on the ground hit my head on the court, knocked me out again. And that was probably December or January of, because it was the winter, December or January of my softball year. So it was like either, December of 66 or January of 67. So that's three in a period of less than 18 months that I had. Scary stuff. And break. I didn't get, I didn't get enough I got three more, but those were in college and when I was playing, you know, minor league football. But I asked my doctor here when all this concussion stuff started, um, coming out, and he goes, I said, is this something i got to worry about? He said, have you had any issues since then? I said, no. He goes, why worry about it? And, then he, you know, so I said, okay. So I probably got CTE and don't know about it. If I, you know, <laughs> if I go out and commit some he- heinous crime in the next <laughs> just remember <laughs> that I
2: said that.
0: Oh gosh, that is really a funny story, but it's also a bit scary. We got breaking what, news. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, Bears have signed wide receiver Darice Fountain and defensive lineman Donovan Jeter to reserve future contracts. I'm sure there's going to be a number more of those
1: today. Do uh, you have any thoughts on any
0: of these Man, two players? Seven,
2: he,
1: well, Fountain was on the practice squad for, for a while. Yeah, he's he a big. He was a big receiver. I, if I recall correctly, I kind of liked him. He went to Northern Iowa.
0: Yeah, uh, a, he, with Kansas City, right?
1: Yes, and and he, he's a big guy. Originally with Kansas City, so Ryan Poles hit him. Uh, you know, I had time with him in Kansas City. He's um, plays bigger than his size. Mm-hmm. Got long arms. More of a possession type guy,
0: and another okay. good blocker.
1: Yeah. So, but you know these these are filling out your roster some of these guys will be in camp next year and others won't because you're gonna you're gonna get into free agency you're gonna sign guys you're gonna draft guys and then you're gonna sign undrafted free agents and mm-hmm. some of these guys uh, are are going to take the place of some of, of some of these guys signing future contracts yep. but it, you you want to get into your your off-season program before the draft, because your off-season program starts before then, you you got to have enough guys to do things. Right.
0: You need ninety guys. Uh, and, well, don't um, need,
1: you don't need ninety for that, but you 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 know it, it won't hit ninety until after the draft. Mm-hmm. But you still got to have enough players to do shit, and and Indeed. so they'll do that. But getting back to Tua. You know, part of that's going to be him and his family, and the other part's going to be the doctors. Right. Put right. it this way. If he plays this week, they're not worried about it. Yeah. But I have a sneaking suspicion that he is not going to be suited up for this playoff game this week because it's only been a few weeks. since the, I mean, he had concussions like three weeks apart, and mm-hmm. I, I, I think the doctors will keep him out for a while.
0: Mm-hmm all right it is time to make our big announcement here uh greg gabriel we here at the barroom have providing provided free content for since 2014. for the first time ever we're going to be charging for some of our content and it is going to be draft content provided by greg gabriel and danny Shimon. coming february 1st premium draft content from both Greg and and Danny. All of the details on pricing uh, and so forth will be available very, very soon. And so we're hoping to get subscribers up so we can pay for their time and for the expenses involved in doing all of this work. So primarily February, March, and April, you are going to get draft profiles from Greg Gabriel and Danny Shimon, 10 minutes or so videos on the players that you want them to talk about that you want to get their opinion in depth uh, draft profiles. Now, Gabriel Talks Football and Draft on Tap, two of our free shows, are going to remain. They're going to alternate every other week. So we'll be talking f- f- uh, about the draft and free agency and everything Bears-related for free content, where you've always gotten it, but we're now also going to have this premium content, and it's another opportunity f- for me to work with the great Greg Gabriel and Danny Shimon. Greg, are you excited well, I about
1: we, we should? Yeah, yeah I, I am, and I think we should point out, too, that – you know, it's not like we're going to do the top hundred players in the draft. It's going to be players that we think fit the Bears, and 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 there may be some guys we do that aren't fits that are highly regarded players, but we're going to say this is why we don't think the Bears would be interested in him. He's just you know not a fit, not a scheme fit, mm-hmm. and so. Um. And I could throw out some names now, but I'll save it for the the premium content there you go (laughs) but it's going to be you know so it's going to be concentrated on bears needs and that could change you know Mm -hmm. where we start doing things and then free agency starts around the 15th of march and they start silencing people and that could change some needs because what happens in the draft is dependent on what happens in free agency both gains and losses
0: Mm-hmm. and thank you berlissimo who and is an outstanding evaluator of talent too he's got his own youtube channel i urge everybody to visit that uh but yeah this is this is going to be really Uh, cool in in so many respects and as part of that premium content it's going to be more than just the evaluations from Greg and Danny there's going to be some extra uh, material involved with that so we'll let you know the prices and and all of the content that's available at that content with that those prices very soon
1: yeah we'll have some video of the players and, and and stuff that we're talking about so and and it'll be I think you know we talked about this yesterday you know, similar to how I wrote reports for the pro football weekly draft guide. I'm going to talk, you know, this is what the strong points are. This is what their weak points are. Uh, what I think they're going to do as a pro and how they fit within the bear scheme.
2: Mm-hmm. Yep. Correct. And that's,
0: and that's the key. Absolutely. Correct. That's the key is, you know, uh, Talk a little bit about fit and all of your experiences. Can do you recall a player, whether it was drafted by the Chicago Bears or the Green Bay Packers or whatever team, that was a highly regarded player but failed because the fit
1: wasn't there? Do you call anybody off the top of your head? Well, you know, it's an interesting question because back when I started, and the the coaches weren't as involved in the scouting aspect as they are now and you took players regard you took players okay you lined up your board you took the best player you know started off with the jet well the bills and the Giants. you were taking the, the 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 players you know basically how they were lined up on the board you know and You know, it was like, put on the coaches, we'll make them fit. Well, you know what? You can't make players do something they can't do. Mm -hmm. Okay, Mm -hmm. so you got to have, and and, and I'll I'll give you for instance, and it's more so, in my opinion anyway, it's more so on defense and offense. But in this particular offense, the one thing that is important is that your offensive linemen, because you got an outside zone scheme, the offensive linemen have to be athletic. And you can look at the, at the profiles of the, the linemen they drafted last year, even if they were late. They were all very athletic guys for, for big men. You know, three of them ran sub-five-second 40s, which for linemen is, is rare. And they've got to be able to play in space, Adjust on the move in space, be able to pull. And so I can't see unless a big guy, you know, like a 330, 340 pound offensive lineman is an exceptional athlete. I can't see him being a guy they'd go out and get. Now they had to play it like Borum is that kind of guy, and he dropped weight, he's in the 320. The more I watch, and, you know, I thought Borum had a future after a year ago. Watching him this year, mm-hmm. we've talked about it. It seems like he's hit his plateau. Mm-hmm. I would not be surprised if he's not here next year. If he is here, you don't want him being more than a backup. Yeah.
0: unless he he's makes- good enough
1: to get to be. Yeah.
0: Unless he makes some dramatic improvement, what's your experience with uh, offensive linemen when they moved from year two to three? Do you, you know, with wide receivers, the story has been year two to three is usually when you see market improvement for most wide receivers. Is there something uh, of a correlation with linemen as
1: well? Well, part of it is, is is that he is not as athletic when you look at his athletic profile as like the guys they brought in this year. Mm-hmm. OK, Tevin Jenkins is, was very athletic. OK, Morham fit the mold of what Juan Castillo wanted. Mm-hmm. Different coach, different philosophy, different style of blocking. So. He I, I, I don't know if he can work on becoming more athletic, he can work on. Getting more lean muscle weight and less body fat, but he has problems with wide speed. And I don't know if that's going to change. I mean, yes, experience helps it, but now he, but he's played a lot of football in his first two years. It's not like he's been sitting on the bench. Mm -hmm. You know, he's had a play. My opinion off of Sunday, I thought, Carter played better than Borm did at guard.
0: Interesting. I haven't looked at the tape yet, so I've, I'm definitely going to look for that. And but at least,
1: go ahead. Borm played most of the first half, except for two series. Mm. Carter was in. Carter played the entire second half, and he is. And, and we've talked about him before. He is very athletic. Guy was a point guard in high school and had <laughs> D one offers to play point guard, you know, what do you call it, Mid-major offers, Mm -hmm. like power five type offers to play basketball in college. He's an athletic guy that happens to be 305 pounds and he's strong. So with him, it's a matter of, you know, he played at the FCS level and it was making that jump the the jump that um Braxton Jones made and and, and I and Ryan Poles sp- spoke about it. they didn't expect him to play he mm-hmm. was just too good yet yeah, did he have weaknesses absolutely but he was too good not to play him mm-hmm. he far exceeded their expectations and in fact you know you look at it and they they signed Riley Reef to play left tackle, but then once they got a look at Braxton Jones, they said, no, this guy's got the traits. Now he's got to get stronger in the lower body. He can do that in one off season.
2: It's good to he hear. He gets
1: stronger. He gets stronger in in, in the lower body. He's going to be an entirely different player, and his ability to anchor is going to be much better. And that's his main weakness right now. Is he 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 doesn't anchor well.
0: Mm-hmm. Why do you think Jatari uh, Carter was on the bench the
1: entire year? Jay Sanders is asking. Uh, I just don't think they thought he was ready to play. hmm You know, and so when and and they wanted to see him in, in game condition, so they, you know, threw him in this game. My opinion, they put up the white flag in this game. I mean, we all can agree with this one. <laughs> yes. the, the way they they line people up, and yeah, how about a secondary that had one one player, Jaquan Brisker, and all the rest were practice squad guys. <laughs>
0: That kid hand that they picked up a week ago, oh, my gosh, he's the worst tackler I've ever seen. Pee-wee football, any kind of football. This guy oh, was awesome. I
1: mean, it was like, who who are these guys? And, <laughs> yeah. and, 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 you know, they didn't know the the defense that well. Mm-hmm. They were playing very, very cautious. Hell, you and I could have gotten open against those guys. They were they were horrendous. But, you know, that's what you get when you start – you guys who have been with your club for – a couple weeks and you got to go out and start them but they had nobody else to go to
0: yeah indeed greg i have got to run i have got a new show that we're debuting tonight it's called bear their souls it's basically dan and aldo are back but we've got some new co-host nomad Um, Dan Shortino, we call him the other Dan because I can't properly pronounce his last name and the Tooch is coming back. So that's going to be a lot of fun. I got a lot of prep work done and we've given everybody an hour and a half of Gabriel Talks Football and we got a lot more Gabriel Talking Football coming up with with our premium content. Uh, Be on the lookout for it. Uh, Greg, any final words before we sign off?
1: No, this is when the fun begins now. I mean, you know. Yes. this is uh now. It's getting ready for next year. It's just that it's you know three and a half months of this. Yeah. <laughs> That's the bad part. You know, you it's, it, it, yeah, you gotta. <laughs> there's gonna be and don't. I'll just leave it this way. About eighty percent of of what you hear is not true. hmm Remember, it's that- the lying season. Right.
0: And about 80% of the Twitter comments from fans is total bullshit and shouldn't
1: be read or responded to, right? <laughs> That's my philosophy. I saw one one trade the guy put a the, this is for Houston to moved from 2 to 1. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, a, a, a first next year, a, a two picks this year on top of, you know, flip-flopping and then two more first down down the road. It's a freaking 400 point move, not 4,000. <laughs>
0: not gonna happen,
1: ladies and gentlemen. I mean, you know, people aren't stupid,
0: some of them are, I think. Some of them, anyway, no, uh, I mean, love you
1: making the, the people making the decision, the <laughs> yes, fans, you know, they got this idea it's not gonna happen. Get that out of your head, <laughs> exactly.
0: All right, uh, Don Bur uh, says Detroit versus everybody. I'm going to leave. Let's leave it with this. What was your assessment of the Lions uh, this season? Let's give one to Don. What did you think of their season?
1: I thought they really came on. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I, I thought beginning of the year they were they were typical Detroit Lion team, and and they came on. And uh, uh, I'm glad they knocked Green Bay out. I'll tell you. You know, not that I like to. Sure for Detroit but I'm glad that they knocked Aaron Rodgers out of the uh, the playoffs and now that I think the interesting story of the offseason besides what does Chicago do is what does that asshole do up north does he come <laughs> back or does he hang it up and he I, I have never seen a player in all the time I've been involved with this have a team by the balls like he does he sure does He sure does.
0: All right. uh, That is it for this episode of GTF. Gabriel talks football. He and I will be back next week. And also stay tuned for more of our information regarding the premium content coming your way. Greg, thanks a lot. Uh, We'll talk to you soon. We'll see you later.